Just a quick one before we get started. If you could do me the biggest favor, and that is hit the follow button on whatever channel you are listening to this podcast on. It really does make a massive difference to this podcast. And thank you so much for your support. Also, there are a couple of free downloads available now on the website. If you have got the MindStrong journal, you can add them straight in or you can use them as a separate item altogether. The things that we have are training planners, so where you can track your training and really set up your goals for every training session you're going into. Also, a habit tracker, a meal planner, and there will be much more coming soon. So if you head over to lewishatchett.com forward slash downloads, you can grab those completely free today. Welcome to the Raising Your Game podcast, where I connect well-being and performance, as well as speaking to those in the world of sport to share the experiences, practice, and wisdom that can help you in raising your game, both on and off the field. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Lewis Hatchett and in this episode I'm speaking with pro surfer Chelsea Tuak. Chelsea's from the island Barbados having just come off winning the Barbados Surf Pro and I got to talk to her about her upbringing, how she got into surfing but then really going into areas around mindset, decision making, trusting your decisions and just taking that step and not fearing failure. There were so many good things in this episode and I really enjoyed my time with Chelsea so without any hesitation I give you Chelsea to act. Enjoy. Chelsea thank you so much for coming on. I know we were actually kind of debating I've just come back from Barbados which was amazing (laughs) and uh we were trying to set this up but unfortunately you were competing and it was it was a well it was a very productive time for you but uh, I appreciate (laughs) you coming on and doing this uh doing it via zoom yeah thank you very much for having me it was a it was a big week last week but now we've got plenty of time and it's it's nice to jump on and chat with you so for those that are listening that wouldn't know Chelsea just won well, home tournament as well on the, the Barbados Surf Pro, which was, I actually went down to go and watch it. And then unfortunately, you weren't actually surfing or you'd surfed earlier on in the day. I can't really remember what time it was, but um, yeah, you've you've won it. And it must be such a, an amazing feeling winning it at home. Had you won that event before? Yes. So that was the first time it was a pro event, but it had right. in previous years been a pro junior, a junior event. And the first time it came was in 2013 and I got the win then and won it um, three years in a row after that, before I kind of jumped out of the juniors and went to the pro pro contest. So it was special. Um, mm. it, it's different. I feel like when I was a junior, maybe I didn't have as much pressure on my shoulders or something because I, I, I loved competing at home. And I think the, the kind of older you get, the more pressure you feel to perform. I don't know what it was, but this one, definitely a bit of pressure because qualification was on the line with the challenger series and also serving at home I wanted to do well um so it was a bit of a balance between the joy and fun of going at your own wave and also everybody being oh this is yours to lose so Mm. I'm I'm happy that it it worked out in the end (laughs) so did you did you feel that expectation going into the tournament did you can you kind of tangibly feel that 
Oh, absolutely. I could. Um, but I think it's in a good way. I always switch it around because I, I do have a lot of support at home. I mean, Barbados is so small. We don't have that many surfers coming out, even less that do it in, um, in the international competitions. So I felt the pride and, and the excitement from the crowd. And that was a good thing. But also maybe more internal pressure for me. I was like, uh, everyone's telling me I've been surfing the best out there. I, I know I've been putting so many hours out at Soup Bowl. Yeah, Soup Bowl was the surf break that we were at. Um, grew up there. So it's like, you know, you, you, you can't lose this one. You know it the best. So it was there, the pressure, like, oh, I've got to perform. But um, it, it's nice when when you still have the support on the beach and everyone's cheering, like they expect you to win, but they're also there to kind of lift you up or even cheer you on if you don't do so well. So yeah, a bit of both. <laughs> Does that actually count for something, having a bit of a home advantage when you're competing in surfing? Uh, yes and no. It depends on who you are. Uh, mm. I think for me it does and also for Soup Bowl. So Soup Bowl is, um, for those who don't know, it's got a reef bottom and it's a right hand. Um, that means it, it breaks to the right and it is an incredible wave but it's also very difficult to surf because it has a lot of different moods and changes so much between high tide and low tide I mean we're dealing with mother nature and it's it's not very straightforward you've got to know how to adapt you've got to know which waves to look for and the only way to really get that knowledge is from a lot of time spent in the water and of course I've been surfing since I was eight years old I'm 26 now I've been surfing Soup Bowl for for many many years and I know all of her different moods so it definitely <laughs> helps because you you get 25 minutes um, you're scored on your two best waves so a, the wave is a huge part of your scoring potential the judges it, they do judge your wave. The better waves always get the better scores. So having that local knowledge to pick the best waves that you think are going to come through in that 25 minutes is, is pretty crucial. So what is a, this was something that I think I was just saying just a minute ago. And I came and sat on the beach. I'm watching the competitors surf. And then I don't, I obviously like the look of someone surfing and I've done a bit of surfing. I haven't I would love to do more and I'm sure when I come next, come out of Barbados, I'll be hitting you up and we'll go try to get out and surf. <laughs> but I was watching it and people were cheering and I was kind of like, I, I don't really know what's happened. So how do you, how does it get scored? What is it? What does a good wave look like? What does a bad wave look like? And what does riding a good wave look like compared to riding it badly? I, I think <laughs> bar, bar falling off. Yeah. Um, so we are judged on our maneuvers, like the turns that we make on the wave. Right. Um, so a good wave means that you've got what we call major maneuvers. And major maneuvers, I'm probably going to butch this explanation, but I'll try my best. Major <laughs> maneuvers are when you take the proper sections of the wave, so the wave, the part of the wave that's really steep, and it allows you to displace the most water. So I heard an analogy actually this morning that I thought was good. And it's about um, creating a rooster tail off of the wave. So if mm. you can kind of with your surfboard, go to the top of the wave and turn at the top and you're displacing the water, like all the, what we call white water or the spray is going off the back and you've got water that's going straight up in the air and kind of everywhere that indicates a really strong turn. And that's what we call a major maneuver. So we're kind of just trying to, 
displace as much water as we can. And the judging criteria is speed, power, and flow and control, of course. So you've got to look like you're going fast, you're in control um, on your surfboard and then making these powerful, and, and the power comes from how much water you can displace. So yeah, just doing these tricks, these maneuvers on the wave, um, picking the right sections that really make, you know, get, get let you explode and get the water kind of explode around you. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. What about getting air? Like when people jump and and get some sort of like turns in the air, what, what is, right. is that a part of it? Is that like r- going another level? Yeah. So that is going a different bit, uh, another level. Another part of the criteria is degree of difficulty. So if you're actually able to get your um, surfboard above the wave, go above the lip and, and do an air, and if, if you've got a rotation as well, that is really, really difficult. So those score really high as well. Right. Wow. That, that f- makes it a little bit clearer. <laughs> that, that's for sure. So where did, where, where did the love for surfing come from for you? Like, how did it start? What, what was your earliest memory of, of surfing? So I am one of four um, siblings and I'm the youngest one. And my two older brothers were surfers with my dad and they would kind of, I'm quite the baby as well. My, my brothers are 10 and eight years older than me and my sister's six years older than me. So I was definitely the, the little baby of the group. And I just wanted to be one of the big kids and do whatever my brothers did. So when they would leave me at home and go surfing on the weekend, I was like, nah, I can't have this. I, I want to go. And so I'd nag my mom to get me into surfing uh, until she finally did. She took my sister and I, um, Surfing gave us lessons with uh, someone here in Barbados. My earliest memory of surfing, I think I remember my first wave. It was at Freights Bay here in Barbados, just down uh, the waves a little bit. And I remember my mom just sitting in one of the tide pools by the shore. And I was out there with my sister and um, Zed, the surfing instructor, pushed me on my wave. I remember standing up, looking straight at her. Um, I'm, I think my my arms may have gone above my head. I was so excited. And I just saw her like clapping and cheering for me on the beach. And I loved it. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was the best thing in the world. <laughs> and so from there, it kind of became a family thing. Every we Living in Barbados, you know, it's a small island. And every weekend we were straight to the beach. That's, that's what we did <laughs> every weekend. So it became a family affair where we pack up um you know picnics and and go down the beach and it's something we did as a family which I really enjoyed and um I think that's where you know my love for surfing came from is just doing it with my big brothers and my family and it kind of kept going from there my big brothers were very good at it and they would um get to actually represent Barbados at world junior championships uh my brother went to South Africa once for a competition and then both of them the next year went to Tahiti um, to compete for their country and surf these incredible waves and I remember thinking about that and I was like wow you can travel and surf and do it for your country it all sounds incredible so that's why I wanted to pick up surfing try and qualify for a team one day Um, yeah and I did that when I was 10 years old I qualified for the junior team with my brother we went to Brazil in 2006 uh, I was the tiniest little thing, probably had no right being there, but it was an incredible <laughs> experience for me because I saw some of the older girls, some girls I was seeing in magazines, um, Bethany Hamilton, I'm sure you've heard of her from mm. Soul Surfer. She was there, another girl from um, Australia, Sally Fitzgibbons, incredible surfers. And I saw them in real life, in the flesh, surfing, competing, and just to stand near them, I'm like, wow, 
these girls are incredible. They're my idols. They are just larger than life. And that's who I want to be. And kind of from there, I was the determined little girl that loved competition and wanted to be just like them. <laughs> so that's so the that, long version. <laughs> so that were those those guys, people like Bethany Hamilton, Sally Fitzgibbon, were they people that you would regard as role models? Did you have any role models in the sport growing up? Yeah, I would say they're role models. Honestly, um, when I was that young, I probably, I mean, there was no social media around. I, I saw magazines every now and mm. again. Um, so I would, yeah, hear about them um, on TV or through magazines, but almost felt like coming from Barbados, uh, are they real? I, I mean, it just seemed like they weren't even tangible um, because they were, uh, yeah, it was wild for me. So seeing them in, in real life when I, you know, got to see them, that's when they became role models. Um, so the way they served, the way they carried themselves, I was like, wow, oh, I want to be them. <laughs> yeah, I was going to so, yeah, say, they... what were the sort of attributes that you saw in them that you were like, yeah, I want a piece of this. This is, or, or what What did you see that they were perhaps doing differently that maybe set them apart from everyone else? I think it was just the way they carried themselves. Like even we, because we, there's a parade of the nations so we get dressed up in our um, country colors and we rock down Main Street. And I remember seeing them. They were beautiful, blonde hair, and so happy and friendly as well. You know, they'd if you went up to say hi, they would, you know, say hi, what's your name, where are you from? Being so friendly and so nice. But then as soon as they would put the competition jersey on, uh, they just had this presence where they were so focused if they had, you know, their headphones in, they were talking to their coaches, they had a bunch of sponsors on their, um, you know, sponsor stickers on their surfboard, uh, focusing on the waves and they'd go out there and just do turns that I'd never seen a girl do before in real life. And so, yeah, everything just from being the kind, nice person outside of the jersey to in the jersey, just being that fierce competitor and doing some amazing turns. I'm like, wow, that, that that's awesome. You kind of speak a little bit there about the humility that they had. And my perception of the surfing community is that it is a very humble community. I mean, just with surfing comes the name of Kelly Slater, right? And mm -hmm. doing what he's done recently of just turning 50 years old and being world champion, like it's insane. But when he came off and he was being interviewed, like incredibly humble, I think the surfer that he, he was competing on that wave with was half his age or something like that, yeah. even, maybe even younger. And the just the humility that came from it, but then also the the sense of community that every... I was following on his Instagram, every, every story that he was putting up was coming from a range of surfers. And it was no sort of like damn it, I've lost. It, it, even the, the young lad who lost was, was felt gracious in defeat and felt thankful for even being on that wave with Kelly Slater and just for being there for the opportunity and it was just a hugely humble expression of the sport and I thought that seems to be what the community is like is that is it the same the same feeling within it yeah I think I think yeah you put it incredibly um being a surfer first and foremost yeah, you have to be humble. I think Mother Nature and the waves humble you if you aren't, mm. you know. Um, you can come out from an incredible session and think you're, you know, the best surfer in the world. The next time you jump <laughs> in the water, you're just out of rhythm. You're falling. You're, you know, you're getting caught by sets on, you're getting sets on the head. So you're just getting, you know, bombed. 
um, and you come up and you're like, okay, I haven't, haven't figured this out yet. You know, you, you, you gotta take it in stride and yeah, definitely, uh, the Amblin contest. I think the more that you do it, the more you realize that you're gonna lose a lot more that you're gonna win, but it's like being in the water. It's, it's our job, but it's also our joy. It's kind of our escape as well, which is, you know, not a lot of people have that, um, in the sport. So I think, yeah, for for me and and for most, we're traveling the world. Um, you, I mean, I think the top one percent probably get paid really well in surfing. A lot of us now, especially now, uh, days, it's it's a bit harder to travel the whole year um, away from home, living out of a suitcase. So we've built such a strong community because we have become our own little family on the road. Mm. Um, we're staying with each other We're, you know, cause it, it is difficult one to be an athlete, you know, to be an athlete outside of your home, you're going through the roller coaster of emotions, the highs, the lows of the sport. Um, you're missing home and you kind of turn to, to the people that know what you're going through that are on that same roller coaster with you. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to become jealous when someone's doing a lot better than you are, or, or just on, on their own kind of flow. But you, it goes where you're you're doing really well. You've got that snowball of, of winning events and stuff and your friends may not be doing so well. And then you kind of stumble, you get a few bad results and then they're projected forward. And, and so you kind of got to roll with the punches and, and be happy for them because you know the work that goes into being a competitive surfer to winning events. And you, you know you know the highs and lows. So I think you've got a lot of empathy. And, and I love that about the sport. I think it's... it's um, us being very connected to nature, um, having appreciation for the waves and, and mother nature. And yeah, just being at the end of the day, we're human beings first, athletes mm. second, um, as you said. And, and I, that's what I love about the sport for sure. I think that I really don't think that's a coincidence where everyone has this. I mean, if you were to have a stereotypical picture of what a surfer looks like, they're very <laughs> chilled out, very relaxed and yeah, they mm. are, but I don't think that's a coincidence with the fact that you're just in nature all the time. There's so many studies showing now on people that have, I mean, the pandemic has just shown it as well. Like the people who don't have that connection with nature, the people that have been locked up in buildings and, and athletes that have been competing, uh, have been training within their own homes throughout the pandemic. I, I was really fortunate. I was in Australia throughout that whole period. So I was able to be outside. So I didn't get to experience that whole real lockdown fierceness of, of the pandemic. But I think there is so, so much that speaks to athletes in being able to, to do something outside or, or in nature. And if that can be just one workout, if that can be all of your workouts, I think it really does have an impact on your mental well-being and, and again, your physical well-being because you're getting your training done whilst you're out there. I totally agree. And I think I probably, like you, experienced it the most um, during the pandemic. So it was interesting for me, um, kind of my best and worst year was in 2016 when I qualified for the world tour. I was 19. I was the first um, surfer from the Caribbean to ever qualify. It was the top 17 women in the world. And I felt very young very green and like I was competing against world champions who are my role models and for me I was like wow this is incredible I like 
you know, I look up to you and your idol, but now I've got to beat you. And it was mm. hard, tough for me mentally. And I, and I lost a lot that year because I couldn't find myself. I couldn't find, you know, my rhythm and, and purpose in the Jersey. And so, yeah, for surfing for me, I was like, Oh God, like it wasn't bringing me as much joy, especially competing. And my partner, he, so with surfing, we have lots of different kinds of surfboards, but the one that we use in competition, it's called a high performance surfboard. Uh, most of the time it's got three fins, uh, it's a thruster and you want it because it goes really fast. Um, it's sharp and, and explosive. Um, but there's a lot of different kinds of surfboards. You can have two fins, it's called a twin fin. Uh, you have a single fin, which is more um, uh, vintage. It's like an older type of surfboard, but they, you draw different lines on the wave with them. And I remember um, Thomas, my partner, telling me, he's like, you know, I was like kind of frustrated about surfing. I didn't want to go surfing. I didn't want to have like competition mindset, but I needed an escape. And for me, the ocean's an escape, but I couldn't uh, kind of detach my um, competition mindset from just joy and enjoyment. And he was like, just jump on a different type of surfboard so that you're not thinking about doing competition, mm. high performance turns. You're just in the ocean, enjoying yourself and, and not thinking, just going along with the wave. And that helped me a lot because I went from not wanting to surf for two weeks or just not wanting to see the water because I needed to detach from contest thoughts to being able to switch that mindset off, jump in the ocean, um, you know, go surfing with friends, have a chat, catch some waves and just enjoy myself. And I've taken that into, um, you know, the rest of my career and, and years following when I needed to, you know, get away from contests, just go on a sponge surf trip or go, you know, adventure down the coast. Don't take any of the high performance surfboards, just take, um, you know, some fun boards as we call them. And that really helped. And during the pandemic, when I was also in Australia for um, almost all of 2020, and so we were able to go surfing. And I remember being in the house, I was studying at the time, and you can't really, you know, you can go to the shops and you can go outside to exercise. Mm. I remember just being so down in the dumps, like for the day, if I was behind my computer the whole day. And then I was like, all right, Tom, um, let's go for a surf. And we could just, you know, put our wetsuits on and go surfing. And there'd be a couple others that were also escaping from work and, you know, work from home life. And just being in nature, you know, seeing the sun, being in the ocean, having a chat with a friend. I think that is the main thing that got me through the pandemic mentally. And um, I am so I've got such a um, more appreciation for for nature, for my sport. And yeah, just moving my body outside, I could really tell the difference the days that I didn't go compared to the days I go, even, you know, having that human connection outside and being in nature. <laughs> that, that That's so interesting. I, I, one of the things I was going to ask you, which I probably don't need to now, is is how you kind of es <laughs> escape something that is an escape for people and that yeah. doing it in a different way is a really nice and almost tangible thing for athletes, I think, because so many athletes struggle with escaping their sports because the sports are an escape themselves and yeah. that can be a real challenge because you're trying to you're trying to downregulate yourself you're trying to relax you're trying to give yourself some space but the only thing you want to be doing is the thing that you're doing 
that's giving you perhaps that stress, the anxieties, the frustrations at the time, if it's not going well, or may, perhaps maybe you're overtraining, you're, you're burnt out. So doing it a different way, try it out in a different way, try doing your sport. Can you train in a different way? Can you perhaps instead of going for a, if your training is running and you've got to do a 10K run, perhaps go do a swim, get your run, mm-hmm. get your training in in a different format so that you can escape something but you're still kind of holding on to the thing that you want to be doing I think that's a I'm actually in that place now where I'm trying to 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 change a lot of my training regularly so that it keeps me interested in what I'm doing and 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 maybe surfing will be something I'll do there was something I actually came across and you were talking about sort of the the emotions you feel on the wave and and I I had done so. I'm doing a performance psychology master's in performance psychology, and I I am something I read about the other day was it was using big wave surfers, so people like Laird Hamilton and um, the the film Riding Giants was a part of that course that we were looking at, and it was about people who have something who are alexithymic, and these are people who have a hard time describing their emotions. They can't really mm-hmm. describe what their emotions are. And these, they found a lot of these surfers and sensation seekers were people like that because the one thing that they could do was when they were in the waves, which were huge waves and these have got massive consequences, the one thing they could identify with was fear. So fear was a constant throughout it and it was always something that was, was there. I found that really, really interesting about that, that when they were on the waves, they could re- regulate their emotions, but when they come off, it's really, really challenging for them to, to be able to do that. It's probably a little bit different in the waves that you're you're riding, but um, do you, do you feel that sense of emotional stability when you're you're on the waves? Where do, where does your mind go when you're actually out there riding the waves and and you're doing what you're doing so well? Oh, that's really interesting. I think that's a good question. Probably hard to answer, but um, uh, different bits. So I think. Um, for me, let's say if I'm just getting ready for a competition or I'm trying to improve my surfing when I'm out there, uh, I've got to have intention. So there's a couple of things that I'm, I'll be working on technique wise or even with my wave selection, what waves I want to go for. When I do kind of do that maneuver that I've been practicing for ages and do it properly and I can feel that, you know, the perfect sensation of, of coming off the bottom doing the turn and landing it um coming out in front of the wave that gratification that you know those those high emotions of of joy and accomplishment I think that's probably what I keep going after is that sense of winning you know you 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 accomplished that you got that done and that was such a good feeling um so yeah that that's definitely one of it is just just feeling like you've you've accomplished something and and you want to be some one of the best surfers in the world. You want to do something that that pushes the envelope. So if you with um, surfing, like I said earlier, it's it's about risk. So how, getting that adrenaline rush of going for a really difficult, tricky maneuver and landing it and and surprising yourself almost mm-hmm. when you go for that that th- those emotions are are brilliant. And then but then sometimes um, outside of a training for competition, when you're kind of got a lot going on in your mind or you can't really sort through your thoughts just paddling out and not having any agenda but letting your thoughts go where they where they may 
and kind of being in the rhythm of mother nature is also fantastic because I feel like I get my best ideas and um, mm. kind of sort through life's problems out in the water as well with an escape if that answers your question at all <laughs> yeah no it's, it's it's more just speaking to that whole flow state that you can get into and I think there's probably no real better situation to be doing that than out on the water like that connectedness to nature you're literally the ride riding a wave and that's an analogy for so it's used in analogies for so many different things like it's not a coincidence so it's just such an interesting um interesting place place to be so i kind of want to talk about we mentioned it a little bit about mindset and you've you've touched on it little bit here and there so preparing for a a competition we'll get into probably on the waves and what it means having your mind right when you're on the waves but is there things that you do in preparation for competition was there something that you do regularly now and say the the competition you've just had coming up that gets you into the right right mindset that you've perhaps learned over time is it something that's even changed over time um yeah mindset definitely has changed over time and there's a lot of, of, yeah, mindset preparation going into an event because the high level that I'm competing at right now, all of the girls are really, really good. And it's kind of someone who's on, on the day. I mean, we've all got the talent, but you can just tell when someone's so mentally strong and focused and they're choosing the right waves, they're um, completing their maneuvers, they're la- you know, landing everything, not falling off. And just looking strong on their boards um, in the flow state, as you say, and that takes mm. a lot of, of um, mental preparation. For me, something that I have done for a little while now is journal um, before events. So with Mother Nature, you've kind of got to understand the surf, um, the wave and the break that you're at, what kind of bottom it is, if it is affected at the high tide or the low tide, what waves are great. And so I journal that, um, kind of get a game plan for my heat. Okay, which which waves do I take? How long are the waves taking to come in? Um, what waves would I like to take? So that I am confident in my decision-making when I get to the heat. But then I've got to tell myself, okay, you've put in the work now. You know what waves to look for. Trust yourself. Believe in yourself. Back yourself. Um, that seems to be honestly the hardest thing to do in surfing um, and it was a huge part of my win at Soup Bowl is I knew the waves better than anybody else and the only way that I was going to lose that event is if I tripped myself up as if I, I got nervous and I made bad decisions and I didn't commit to my decisions and so throughout the whole event the biggest part of my mindset was believe in yourself back yourself like if you're looking at a wave and, and it seems like a good one, commit to it. Believe that you're going to make that right choice. Um, and, you know, trust trust the decision that you're going to make. Um, and that was really huge. I had a conversation with one of my great friends just this morning, um, Isabella Nichols from Australia, who is now competing at Bells Beach in Australia. And she's surfing incredibly, but she just lost her um, heat, a round of 16 heat, which is really important because there's a mid-season cut coming. Um, and I said, oh, you know, I'm really disappointed for you because you've been surfing so well, but, you know, head up the next contest is coming around the corner. And she's like, yeah, I'm really disappointed because I know my surfing is there, but the decision making is not there. 
Um, and basically, you know, and basically sometimes what that means is there's so much pressure coming into the contest because if you lose, it's, it, it's um, got a lot of consequence. You're going to fall off of that tour. So sometimes you are so afraid to take the wave. You've got too much fear, like, oh, am I going to make the wrong choice that you don't commit to your decisions? So yeah, that I think that's the biggest thing about surfing is is trusting yourself because Mother Nature, you don't know what waves to go for. You're kind of you're you're at the mercy of Mother Nature. But if you can believe that you'll make the right choice and and yeah, just believe in your surfing. That it's it's a make or break. So is that that's something that you've had someone tell you, or you've just learned over time? You've taken that from other other surfers, and and yeah, how do you? really that's a big thing to overcome because like you said there must be always this this inner voice that's saying oh the next one or or don't do it now and 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 people are going to be able to contextualize this probably in their own lives in their own sports like there's decisions I feel I should take now and I I don't want to live in regret if I don't take that Mm -hmm. decision now but I don't feel like I can take that step now what is it that that's allowing you to to take that step or do you have a do you have a certain phrase that you're telling yourself or mantra or something that really gets you to take that step yeah I think everybody can relate because we are in the business of always doubting ourselves and thinking Mm. that people are better than we are uh, in surfing so much because maybe someone will put a surfing video up on social media right before the contest where they're surfing incredible you're like oh my gosh I've got to go up against this girl she, uh, you know, she surfs better than me. She's more prepared. She, you know, she looks more prepared than me, blah, blah, blah. And you just doubt yourself and you don't believe in your surfing. And I think when there's a lot on the line, decision-making in life, uh, you are scared to make a decision in case it's the wrong one, in case you regret it later. Um, and, you know, even if you're picking a career, if you're picking a school course, um, a trip to go on you're just like oh if, if you're kind of stuck in that limbo where you can't make that decision I feel like it's you're in a place of fear um, which is understandable uh, so I remember and and it's something I've struggled with my whole career I mean uh, I've got some really great results in my life and I've had some really tough losses and I think with the difference of the way I feel in a contest where I lose and the way I feel in a contest that I win is being confident and sure of my decisions. Um, I wish I could feel confident all the time. Um, I don't, sometimes I don't know <laughs> what it takes to really get into that flow state. Sometimes you just get into the flow state after having a good session before the event. But the bigger thing that I've um, been told recently, I cannot remember where I saw it, but I think it might've been on a podcast and someone said successful people make quick decisions and I love that because in life I'm very indecisive oh what do I want to eat um what do I want to wear today where do I want to surf when do I want to surf and I'm like no Chelsea successful people make quick decisions and I've been telling myself that recently I'm like okay if if I make a decision I'm just going to commit to it and I'm going to go down that path and when I need to make another decision I'm going to commit to it and I think whatever decision you make or in life or whatever choice you make in life, if you can a hundred percent commit to it, it's going to be the right one. Um, you just, you know, you can't half-ass it. And in surfing, when you half-ass something, 
you're going to fall, you're going to be too confused. And, and, and the judges are going to be able to see that your competitors are going to be able to see that, that you don't have the presence and the strength um, with your decisions. So I'm getting a little bit, a little lost right now, but yeah, successfully people make no, that's, decisions. That's, that's a really, that's, <laughs> that's a really tangible thing to do. Like, and I think you, it's more the fact that when people don't want to step into and take that decision, they just don't know where it's going to lead. There's this fear of not going into the unknown. But I was listening to Jordan Peterson say something brilliantly uh, recently, which was about taking going down a road and that road then making a turn and that next road then makes another turn and that will take another turn. And, and the original path that you may have started out on and the road you started out on is not necessarily where that road was going to end because you've taken all these different turns and it might have been a failure or met someone or had an experience and it changes you. And you end up in a different place and it's usually a better place at the end of the day. And I've done this in previous podcasts where we've spoken about people living, uh, recognizing that failures in the past have actually served them better in the in the future if you really look back on it. But ultimately, you'd never get down that path. You'd never get down those roads if you hadn't even gone down the road in the first place. You hadn't made that decision to take the first part. And and if you, and again, I quote another book: "If you want to be perfect, do nothing." Like, if <laughs> yeah. you, do you know what I mean? You, there's there's a, there's a part of a of like narcissistic traits where you can be perfect in the in the world where you actually don't do anything. If you want to start a new exercise program. By not starting it, you never really fail at it. So in that sense, you're perfect. But if you at least try it, start and try, then you can at least learn, reiterate. And that's the brilliant thing of sport and just, again, life in general is that you can just try things, move on, see if it worked. And and if you don't go into it, I'm sure, with a learning mindset, like what did I learn from today? What did I learn out on the waves? What did I learn from that experience of making that decision? Okay, well... I can back that decision making or actually I'm I need to wait a little bit longer or I was a bit too hasty or things like that there's do you do you use this as a review process do you use your journaling as a review process as well yes absolutely and I think a good thing that surfing teaches me in life as well is that you've got to be able to adapt like you say you may be going down one road and it's not where you expected to go but mm. just go with it with with all your heart kind of thing and and yeah with mother nature you're at the mercy you don't know what waves are going to come. You can't have a perfect game plan, but you've got to be able to adapt and trust trust your decision-making. With surfing, I do. Um, I learned this from a mental coach. Uh, she said, you know, what are you going to kind of prepare for before the event or before the heat? And what are you going to say to yourself after the heat? And she said, always lead with the positives. Tell me, you know, write down in your journal what went well in the heat. Tell me um, or write down to yourself what would you change? You know, what didn't exactly go to, according to plan or what decisions did you not think, you know, were good? And thirdly, what will you improve on? What will you do better next time? How will you, you know, come back stronger next time? Even if you win, win lose or draw, what, what can you improve upon? And, and that's been huge for me. Um, just, just, yeah, evaluating after every heat and seeing what you can improve upon. And again, back to your point, I had a different podcast that I, I did the other day and we talked about fear because in surfing, if you um, don't want to lose or you've got a fear of losing or fear of falling, you'll do what we call safety surfing and the judges hate that. Hmm. You know, you're doing turns that you know you're going to land, but there's no risk involved and, you know, degree of difficulties in the 
criteria and the judges don't like that but for some reason we still I, st I still do it and I and competitors still do it we just don't want to fall so we do this you know this turn that's safe and you don't get rewarded and then you regret it um, and I think most of my regrets have come from inactivity you know rather than activity and that's another thing that I've been telling myself recently um, is fail fail often <laughs> mm. um, I was listening to a masterclass with Sarah Blakely recently, who's the um, inventor of spikes. And apparently growing up, her father every day used to ask her and her siblings, what did you fail at today? And it was encouraged, you know, it was normalized in that household. And I love that because I'm definitely someone that's a bit safe and shy sometimes. Um, but my biggest regrets have come with, from inactivity. So with learning through serving and in life, just to take the risk, go after something, if I fail, Oh well, you know, I, I'm I'm no worse off than if I never did it in the first place. I love that. I think that <laughs> I, I've listened to I've listened to um, Sarah Blakely talk. She's incredible. The incredible. story of Spanx is an amazing one as well, and she's an incredible founder. And yeah, just a, an awesome. I, I love that. Uh, what did you fail at today? It's it's one mm -hmm. of the things that I, I love working with athletes on, and just really trying to change that whole mentality around don't be afraid of failing like, and, and I think it's becoming harder now I think it's really been exacerbated like you mentioned with the social media seeing someone ride a perfect wave it's like mm -hmm. well it's only going to strengthen that feeling to not want to fail because you're seeing someone else do so well but you're yeah. just not seeing everything that's behind it and and yeah you you kind of want to identify I want to I always want to feel like I'm identifying with being imperfect. Like I, yes, I've got things in me that I do well, but there are things that I'm terrible at and there's things that I want to fail at and get wrong because that's when I know I can start to change something. I can have the awareness to change it. And I think that's uh, that's such a one that I'm keeping that quote. That was, that's, that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's awesome. that's it. That's a good one. Um, what, uh, what, what do you want to be known as, as a, as a surfer, as an athlete and, in your time um i definitely want to be a role model i think now that a veteran at 26 quote unquote <laughs> uh coming from barbados being the first one to you know get on the world tour uh a lot of the times when i was younger and people would say you know you're from barbados you're not gonna be anywhere close to people from Australia and the USA with these incredible coaches and high performance centers you know kind of a pipe dream and luckily I had a really supportive family and I was very hard-headed as a kid and I was like whatever you know I'm just gonna go for it and I did and and you know I did something that that seemed in, impossible to some people and I hope to kind of be that inspiration for our younger generation especially in Barbados coming from a small island we've got incredible athletes but maybe they don't have the belief in themselves. And the more that they see people that are just like them doing huge things, it's going to inspire them to dream bigger. And, and yeah, that's definitely what I want to, you know, be known for is just as an inspiration as someone that not defied the odds, but just kind of didn't care what people thought and went for it. And, and, you know, you see, see what, what can happen. Yeah, I was having just come back from the island. Uh, I did some work with some cricketers out there, and I was with Shay Hope and his brother Kyle, mm -hmm. and we were having some really good conversation. And I I've always said, like the, the the pool of athletes on that island is actually mm. insane. 
it just <laughs> needs the direction it needs the like you said the belief in it and it was really nice to see the amount of Bayesians that were actually that were on the roster for the tournament obviously it's a home home tournament yeah. but there were so many young kids on there and and there were so many young kids watching there were people coming and watching mm-hmm. whether it was again whether it was tourists whether it was locals there were just people that were were there but even if you just go and see I was watching a game of like street cricket that was yeah. taking place down in um, St Philip and it was just insane like these ki- these kids are like 14 and they're if they were over here in the UK they'd be dominating but there's something that just needs wow. to be done in in being able to to guide them to to give them structures to put into place what it actually takes to get to to that place because there are role models in say a sport like cricket there's Chris Jordan there's there's mm-hmm. Jofra Archer who have come over here to the UK and then you've obviously got people like Jason Holder Shea Hope Carl Braffway they're, they're doing great things over there and and someone like yourself being able to to lead the way and be that that shining light is is what that island needs and it's what we do so yeah keep keep it up don't don't slow down yeah no definitely not <laughs> so what, what what have you got coming up what's some of your your ambitions over the next sort of I guess few months maybe year or so what what what's the future looking like for Chelsea Okay, so after winning the Barbados event, it um, put me up to number three on the North American rankings. So that has helped me to qualify for the Challenger Series, what we call the World Surf League Challenger Series, which is the qualifier to get onto the World Tour, which is open to the top 17 women in the world, top 34 men as well. So I'll be starting out my events on the Gold Coast of Australia the 7th of May. Um, that starts our se- my season. So my season goes from May to November. I have two events in Australia, one in South Africa, one in California, Portugal, France, Brazil, mm. and ending in Hawaii at the end of November. So mm. a big year ahead. Uh, it's the first actually full year of competition since COVID has hit. So I'm so excited. <laughs> I've um, started packing already. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> going in going in a few days. I haven't been to Australia for 17 months, but you know, I end, uh, I left at the end of 2020. So really looking forward to to doing a full year of competition again. Um, and yeah, trying to take everything that I've learned during COVID. I've done, you know, I've I've done a bit of school, watched the masterclass, worked on my mindset so much because I've had so much time in the off season. So looking forward to now having a string of events in front of me to to put in put into place what I preach. <laughs> oh, awesome. Look, one question I do ask just before people we we wrap it up is is there a a book, a documentary, quote, film, person that you recommend people that have, that has inspired you? Something you recommend often? Um there's one that uh my partner was actually given that I used to read in the morning and it's called Tribe of Mentors. Um it's from Tim yeah, yes, Tim Ferriss. And it is incredible because in there he, he asks all of these different kind of influential people from all over the world their favorite quote, their favorite book, um, what kind of expire inspires them, what have they failed at? And it it's I love reading um, and I try to do it daily, even when I'm busy. And that was just perfect little bite size, um, you know, quotes and, and, and chapters and pages to read in the morning when I'm having my coffee. I really, really love that book. Um, I've probably, 
gifted that more and told more people about that. And also it's not a book, but it's a journal, the, um, the five minute journal. I have given a lot um, that I've found that probably right before COVID started and I loved it. Um, I've, I have a actual hard copy and then I've got, got it on my phone as well. And those, those two, I really, really like. <laughs> awesome. Um, where's the best place for people to find you? If people want to follow what you're doing, where, where's the best place for them to, to maybe even reach out? Um, always Instagram. <laughs> my handle's just my name, Chelsea Turak. And yeah, I read all the messages and kind of share most of my life on there. No worries. I will link everyone towards that. Look, Chelsea, thank you so much for this. I've, I've loved it. There's really insightful, not only just from a, a logistics <laughs> point of view for, for surfing and learning what I'm actually going to see and what we're going to see when we see someone competing, but the mindset behind it. I, I really love this whole dealing with mother nature being out there in the elements it's it's I'm so envious at the end of the day really <laughs> if I can put it really honestly but thank you so much for giving up your time and your morning I appreciate it oh thank you I really enjoyed our chat to you <laughs>